Ladies, here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue. It's Cal Dodd here, voice of Wolverine from X-Men, the animated series, Bub. I want you to join me at The Uncanny Experience, the ultimate destination for X-Men fans just like you. Where you will become a mutant student at Xavier's. And be able to explore the school campus, shop the vendor hall, and meet the creators and stars of the X-Men universe. There'll be panels, parties, immersive activities all throughout the historic mansion. Whether you're a fan of the comics or the movies or the animated series, you'll find something to love. This is Chris Claremont. I'm looking forward to seeing you all at the Uncanny Experience. It's going to be one hell of a ride, Bob. I bet it will be uncanny. Get your tickets now, sugar, at the Uncanny Experience.com. Bum bum bottom, 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 You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four color realm. In this episode, we Zertonians and Agorians put our differences aside because Skeksoids, Quintessens, and Decepticons, oh, oh my. my, in our creator corner, no less, in our final installment, we promise, of our San Diego <laughs> Comic-Con coverage. We get our seat at the round table, talking to the good witches of the Energon universe, coming at us from Skybound and Image Comics. Yeah, I actually feel kind of funny coming to the end of our Comic-Con coverage. We've spent a month bringing conversations back from San Diego, and I've loved it so, and I really don't know what I'm going to do with myself now that they're out in the world. Well, we're getting it done just in time because... New York Comic-Con is right around the corner. <laughs> I don't think we can do at New York Comic-Con what we did at San Diego Comic-Con. I don't even know if we can replicate next year at San Diego what we did this year. Although, because the response has been so strong to these episodes, the desire is to go even bigger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I should resist that. I think we could go bigger, but also differently. Like, one thing that we did for San Diego was do like drop an episode and interview every day that related to San, San Diego while we were at San Diego. Right. We could start doing that way sooner than we did. Like we did all of those interviews with like Stan Sakai and Adrian Tomini and, and Condon and Phillips. Like we did that all in like two weeks before. So that was really, really intense. So we could start that sooner. Like, I don't know if you guys understand this about us, but Brad and I are not planners. That's not <laughs> how we operate. Like we started with the intention of banking episodes Episodes, but the problem is the second we have an episode, we want it out in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think longtime listeners definitely know that we're not planners, that we can never drop an episode like, <laughs> on a specific day every week. We drop it when we got it. That's yeah. how we do comic book couples counseling. And I think that's part of our charm, Lisa. I hope so. Well, we've been doing it for 198 episodes. And in fact, today's episode, the one you're listening to right now, is 199. Oh, yeah. And we're approaching our fifth anniversary on December 1st. 
we definitely need to start planning those celebrations when we hit that date because that's a massive milestone in our lives. Like, yeah. you know, like this podcast, as we've said before, is our baby, mm-hmm. and it's five now. Yeah. This baby's five. <laughs> that's like a that's like a person. What do you get a five year old? What do you get a five year old? A Boba Fett cake. Clearly. Some action figures. Why not? Maybe maybe at five you've graduated to a play set, so now it's time to get that. Uh, uh, like, we can't afford the USS Flag, you know, yeah. the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. But what about the Cobra Terradrome? Okay. I think I think we can get our podcast the Terradrome. I'm just pretending like I know what he's talking about. I didn't have all of those. Like, I had uh, I had the littlest pet shop shop where you could take all of the animals and stick them inside and close it. And it was like a little carrying case. That's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about the Energon universe, Lisa, is because this is very much in... I was going to say wheelhouse, but like this is in my heart. Like yeah. I grew up with G.I. Joe. I grew up with Transformers. To this day, my mother tells this story about when we were traveling overseas and we were going through customs. I had this giant duffel bag full of Transformers and we were going through security and the guy at Heathrow Airport was like, you know, he could see that I was nervous and I was scared about, well, frankly, everything. <laughs> Hijackings, bombs going off, uh, men with guns. And at Heathrow, like everyone had a machine gun at that point. And he asked me to like open up my duffel bag and he saw that it was loaded with Transformers <laughs> figures and he proceeded to ask me to transform all of them. And he was joking, but he made it sound like it was a matter of security. And here I was stressfully transforming, you know, Wheeljack. And I was like, oh God, I hope I get all oh the no. places in the right p- places. So these characters mean a lot to me, but they mean nothing to you. Yeah, I have no nostalgia for Transformers. I guess Joe, my older brother, would be like prime Transformers age, but he was so like, his interests have always been so anachronistic. He is like, so like kind of outside pop culture. So, um, and you weren't really allowed to watch like action related cartoons as a kid. Uh, we were only allowed to watch cartoons on Saturday morning, but I, like, I don't think I was like even interested okay. in action okay. and fair. action related things. Fair, fair, fair. So when you're reading Void Rivals number one, and spoilers for Void Rivals number one, I know that most of you probably know what the Energon universe is right now, but they did such a great job keeping the secrecy around Void Rivals that I would hate to spoil it now. So if you know nothing about Void Rivals or the Energon universe, um, go read Void Rivals, have that spoiled for you there in story, and then come back to us, we'll be here. But in Void Rivals number one, towards the end of that first issue, we see Jetfire from the Transformers. Oh my God, Lisa, Void Rivals is a Transformers book. Did you freak out like I did? I loved how happy that made you. I was really supportive of your enthusiasm. <laughs> and to be honest, we knew about the spoiler before we read Void Rivals number one. Uh, but I was so excited to see people get that discovery the way that I did not get that discovery. And, you know, it seemed to delight many people. The Transformers and G.I. Joe license previously belonged to IDW, and there were some really solid comics from them at the time. I love Tom Scioli's G.I. Joe versus Transformers comic book. If you haven't read that, it's one of the trippiest, strangest G.I. Joe and Transformers books you could possibly read. And you should then also read his GoBots book. It's beautiful and connects back to Transformers and G.I. Joe in a fun way. 
But for the most part, there was so much going on with the license over at IDW. There were so many comics. There was such a long continuity over there. I didn't know where to like slot myself in mm -hmm. besides a miniseries here or there. We were itching for a jumping on point. And then Skybound gets the license. And some of our all-time favorite creators are going to now play in that. Daniel Warren Johnson, Joshua Williamson, Tom Riley, Andrea Milana, and of course, Robert Kirkman and Lorenzo De Felice on Void Run. Rivals. Now we're cooking with gasoline or Energon. I can <laughs> yeah. I can use some of the references. It's funny because like everything I learned about the Transformers, I learned from Michael Bay, and I'm I've kind of had to like recontextualize it into the '80s. Like I'm trying to create nostalgia backwards, <laughs> <laughs> and it feels almost like anthropological. Mm, mm. <laughs> but I feel like this group of creators are so insightful and they're so heart forward like I feel like this is the motivation for me to get curious about this part of pop culture that I've always kind of been on the outside of so at this point three issues of void rivals have been published and I feel like and you're really the test for this but I feel like what's great about these three issues of void rivals is Yes, there's Jetfire. There is, again, spoilers for the three issues of Void Rivals. There is Jetfire. There are Skuxoids. There's Quintessens. There's a Quintesson prosecutor in the third issue. There's like some sort of Scorponok creature. All that stuff is very exciting for me, but I think what Void Rivals is doing so well is that while it has those kind of references and those weird things that go like, oh, what, what's that all about? It is telling a story that is also just straight up compelling. Mm -hmm. In a far off galaxy, there are two warring factions. There's Artonians and there are Argonians. And there are two pilots, Derek and Solila, that crash land on this uninhabited or seemingly uninhabited planet. And, you know, their impulse is to fight each other because they're blood enemies. But to survive on this planet, they actually have to cooperate. And Derek has also, there's like a third character, the Handroid. Love it. Which is like a little droid that's his hand. It's a Handroid, get it? Do you get the impression that it's a, like a glove, like a power glove? Or do you think it's his actual hand? I get the impression that it's his actual hand. Oof. And what I like about the Handroid is that the Handroid is programmed to be loyal to his people. Right. So when Derek is starting to maybe possibly connect with Solila, the Handroid's like, what are you Pretty doing? Skeptical. This is treason. You will be punished severely for this. Yeah. And the Handroid is constantly combating what Derek is attempting to do. I think Handroid is more than just programming, though. Like, I feel like Handroid is, like, fully sentient. Like, they're a person. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, like, to me, the Handroid's like C-3PO. You know, mm. they're built, they're programmed, but C-3PO can grow beyond their programming. Mm, just like we can grow beyond our programming. Absolutely, absolutely. When the first issue of Void Rivals came out, a lot was made of its relation to the 80s science fiction film Enemy Mine. Which I also had not seen. Which is also a film that's basically a remake of Hell in the Pacific, which is a remake of another film, which is based on a book. And, you know, so there's a lot of, like, adaptation happening in the process. But when you get beyond that first issue, I really feel like Void Rivals becomes its own thing, and it's not just an Enemy Mine knockoff. To me, the outstanding contrast from Enemy Mine is that when Derek and Solila 
take their masks off, they look the same. Yes, right, right, right. Where that is definitely not the case between Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr., the little reptile guy. I feel like that we take off our helmets and we're different has been played out in every single genre. Like even like Harry and the Hendersons that like <laughs> we're, we're the same on the inside. Like I feel like we've had that cultural uh, revelation many times, but I like the approach of, oh, we're the same on the outside. Like, I feel like that's an angle that hasn't been played before. And the idea of, oh, entirely what has made us different is a narrative yeah. that we have all played into. And now there's this added tension of how does Derek react to that revelation versus how does Solila react to that revelation? And what do we do with that revelation when we go home and we're expected to just act the way that we have always been acting because if we're different, it's going to be this major upset. It reminds me a little bit of Saga and how Hazel is this atom bomb that's going to destroy the business of war, the profit that has been building between these two opponents. What makes Hazel so scary and what makes Derek and Salila's revelation so scary is how do you rebuild an entire society that's foundation yeah. is a bad idea. And that is a, such a change, a possible change, that many people are going to resist it. Uh, yeah, well, you just think about our culture in the United States that was based on white supremacy and how hard it has been to rejigger the entire system. And I would argue we have not done it yet. No, we have not, not succeeded no, no, no. because people are living in the building already. And there are people who are in that penthouse on the top floor and who cushy. goes, yeah, it's cushy up there. And, and they don't want to lose their place. And there are people who live, you know, a couple floors down going like, yeah, but I want to be in that place. Or I don't want to fall down a level or two. Exactly. So in order to fix the foundation, everyone has to get out of the building. And that is a really scary idea because we don't know where we're going to be when we get back in. And what's wild with Void Rivals is this possible cultural apocalypse is happening in a universe where the Transformers in G.I. Joe exist. And you get to the end of the third issue of Void Rivals and you go like, oh yeah, Jetfire, where did he go? <laughs> because when Solila and Derek were trying to figure out like, how do we get off this planet? They stumbled upon this ship and then that ship transformed into Jetfire, freaked out and said, oh, what year is this? How long have I been asleep? What's going on? And then he flew off before they could go like, hey, could you give us a ride? And Jetfire is, he's going somewhere. We have no idea. So how is Void Rivals going to end up connecting to Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers and Joshua Williamson's Duke series and his Cobra Commander series? I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. So it's Saturday and we are at the Energon Universe panel and these boys seem like they're having the best time. The panelists are the same people you're gonna hear in this conversation, which we then had after this panel, like immediately after this panel. It's obviously it's Robert Kirkman, Sean Makowitz from Skybound. He's the editor in chief over there. Danny Warren Johnson for Transformers and Joshua Williamson for Duke and Cobra Commander. And at this point in time, all we had read was Void Rivals number one, right? And the night before we had gotten the Transformers ash can. So we yeah. had seen the art 
from the first batch of pages from Transformers, but there was no dialogue and there were panels that were redacted. So we were clinging to the points they were making in this panel because our interview was going to immediately follow. And one of the things that Robert Kirkman mentioned is that Jetfire was the perfect end to the mm -hmm. universe because he's this scientist character. He, millions of years ago, he was friends with Starscream. They were up to all kinds of shenanigans. So when you see Jetfire suddenly, he's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? That what's going on is a great question. And from Daniel Warren Johnson in the panel, he started talking about what it's like for the Autobots to walk onto Earth and leave a tread. Mm -hmm. You know, on Cybertron, when they're walking around, they don't leave footprints. And suddenly Optimus Prime is leaving a footprint and that footprint indicates the fragility of humanity and how humanity must be cared for. When you hear that, you know that this comic is going to have that like Daniel Warren Johnson signature emotional gut punch. And it gets me so excited. Yeah, he made you cry with Wonder Woman Dead Earth. He made you cry with Beta Ray Bill. He's gonna make you cry with Transformers. Cry so good. On the G.I. Joe front, we know very little. There's going to be a Duke series. There's going to be a Cobra Commander series. They are going to spin out of the events from Void Rivals and Transformers. Transformers comes out, number one, in October. Duke comes out in December. Cobra Commander in January. But Joshua Williamson was having a difficult time talking about it without spoiling anything. And Sean Makowitz and Robert Kirkman were right there, ready to shut him up. <laughs> but he did say that the discovery of Transformers on Earth launched the G.I. Joes. And the beginnings of things is always really interesting to me because when you start something, that's when you have to do your like statement of principles. Like, what is this really about? What are we actually trying to accomplish? And you hear me try to ask that question of Joshua Williamson in this upcoming interview. What is fascinating about this chat you're going to hear is that it is a round table interview. It's like the one we did with the cast of Paper Girls and the, you know, the behind the scenes folks. You know, when, remember, remember when Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang were on this podcast a year ago? It's the same deal. So you're at a table and you have multiple reporters who have their own points of view and their own questions ready to go. So you're not just going to hear questions from Brad and Lisa. You're also going to hear our friends, Lance from Comic Book Keepers, Jeremy from Geekly Grind. There's also Jace Milan from The Comic Source, as well as Gerard Williams, the hip hop gamer. And if you go to the show notes, you'll find links to all of those people. I would highly recommend that you support them. It was so cool to hang with Lance and and Jeremy, like one of the first things that we did when we got to San Diego is we went out and had this sushi feast oh, it was so on good. a Tuesday night. And it was just such a good time. And then we spent a lot of floor time with Jeremy and Lance at San Diego. And then on Saturday, we sat with them and we sat with Jace just soaking in the Energon panel and we were geeking out about it. We, we you know, we all kind of like shared notes like, well, what are you interested in talking about? And oh, we're interested in talking about this. This is what's exciting us. And we got to the press room and we all sat down and we took our seats and we discussed like, okay, we'll go from left to right and we'll figure it out. And, you know, 
make sure that everyone asks their question. And then Robert Kirkman comes in, Sean Makowitz, Daniel Moore Johnson, Joshua Williamson, and we're all getting ready to get going. And then that's when, you know, the Hip Hop Gamer joins us. And, you know, we had no idea what Hip Hop Gamer wanted to talk about. And that's kind of like the exciting thing. That's the tension that's in these conversations is because, you know, we'll, you know, we'll want to say something. We like, oh, we want to drill in really deep here. But, you know, Hip Hop Gamer's not going to want to talk about that at all. Yeah, t time is precious. We all have our point of view. And the panelists did a great job of giving each outlet their time and attention. Yeah, there's a part of me that was like disappointed whenever like our question was getting answered and oh, we're really getting into like a very comic book couples counseling conversation. And then another person will come in with their question that totally sidesteps what we were talking about. And like, oh, I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated. Let them answer the rest of that question. But then the way that they answer that question is also really interesting and like thought provoking. Yeah. But you all know I'm a control freak, so I was losing my mind. <laughs> but this conversation at San Diego is really a tease for the Energon universe. It's just starting out. We've only had three issues of Void Rivals. Transformers is on the horizon. Duke and Cobra Commander are on the horizon. I think when we get some more story, we'll spend a lot more time on comic book couples counseling talking about these characters in this universe. All of these folks have been on previous comic book couples counseling episodes, and I have faith that they will return to talk about these characters. Yay! So again, go to the show notes and you'll find links to our conversations with Robert Kirkman talking about Invincible, Joshua Williamson talking about Superman, and Daniel Warren Johnson talking about both Beta Ray Bill and Do a Powerbomb. If I recall correctly, this conversation does start with Robert Kirkman pointing at me directly and saying, go, you ask a question now, which is a terrifying <laughs> well, way we were to start all being a conversation. Maybe like a little too polite with each other. Like, oh, are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, uh, and Kirkman's like, go. And I think that's it for us. Let's just get into this conversation right now. Go. Ah! They have an electrical like device on my ass, and if I say something wrong, I will get zapped. <laughs> <laughs> I just died across the table. What happened? I have a kind that doesn't zap. Good to see you. Hey, everybody. Hey, uh, dive in. Oh, 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 okay. You guys dive in. Go. the nature of Jetfire being a scientist. And I think one of the things that's so enticing and so beautiful about the Transformers is that mutual curiosity of we are curious about the Transformers, but they're also curious, the Autobots are also curious about us. So yeah. mm. I would love for you to talk about that a little bit, about that inspiration of starting with a scientist specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, uh, I, I, kind of it was about the uh, showing the passage of time. Um, you know, going harkening back to a peaceful time of Cybertron, uh, giving a little bit more of a hint of the mythology, the deep mythology that that uh, uh, you know enriches all these characters. Uh, and um, I don't know. I mean, I I, uh, I think Daniel's definitely handling a lot of stuff where uh, we're going to see the Transformers, uh, you know, exploring Earth, learning about Earth. We talked about that at the panel, which was really cool. Um, with Void Rivals, uh, you know, it's kind of Transformers adjacent, so I'm not really uh, dealing firsthand with a lot of, like, uh, gosh, I don't want to spoil too much stuff. Well, it, it'll, it'll be a very long time before the Void Rivals characters reach Earth. Right. If they ever do. Right. So, mm. so, yeah. But I think humanity exists beyond Earth, right? I, not human beings, but the idea of personhood. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yes. 
So I agree. So so uh, question for um, both of y'all real quick, right? So um, from a gaming standpoint, we already see the success that y'all have with the Walking Dead, Telltale series, all types of things sure. like that. Um, could you ever see yourselves doing a zombie version of the Transformers world? What would a zombie Optimus Prime be like creatively? So I want to get that from you and from you. What I want to um, a drawing of yeah, it. Yeah, I know. That's the Z I love it. Yeah, I know, right? And from you, uh, um, also from um, a gaming standpoint, artistically, how would you like bring something like that to life? So I'll let you take that first. Sure, look, I think that uh, one of the cool things about the Transformers is that they are aliens. And I think that their physiology definitely works differently than, than humans do. I don't even know if it's technically physiology because they're mechanical. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, when you ask questions like that, I just feel like an idiot. Like I, I, I'm, showing how, I'm showing how dumb I am all the time and I just hate that. But uh, uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, uh, the idea of zombie Transformers is kind of interesting because they don't really have life cycles like humans. They can die and they can be, in a sense, repaired in a certain way. And so that's actually something that, that would be kind of a neat thing to explore. So there's not a finality to a, a, a zombie story if you were to uh, apply it to the Cybertronians, I'll Basically say. Basically, think of Re Return of Optimus Prime Part 1 and 2. Yeah, he I mean, did. You know, the red. Yes. It, it kind of, it's kind of zombie-ish, but not the same visuals, obviously. Yeah. No, you're you're talking too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, game-wise, you know, like yeah. in that vibe. I mean, God, do you remember there was a, a Transformers video game with the with the G1 character? I think it was for Xbox. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'd probably do that. Oh, word. <laughs> All right, cool. I, mean, I didn't say it's exclusive, nothing yeah. like that. But I, I would love to see it because we have no rights to do any video games. <laughs> 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 you gotta talk to Hasbro. I know, right? That would be dope, though. <laughs> No tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, no exclusives. Yeah, right. Well, Robert, when I read uh, Void Rivals 1, even on the preview, I got this real vibe. You mentioned in the panel about these races that have been at war so long, they, they kind of don't even know each other anymore. They're, they're, they're learning things. I got a real enemy mind vibe. Oh, I yeah. Know, you know, mm. that movie. Was that at all in your mind, like pulling on uh, an emotional movie like that based in science fiction? Science fiction is such a great tapestry to tell any number of yeah, I mean, I, I watched that movie at a very early age, and uh, it was just like a real, like, fantastic example of what science fiction stories can do, because there was such a, a, a heart to that story and so much, like, emotion to it, even though it was this, like, cool sci-fi thing. And, uh, you know, as a kid, my only experience with science fiction was, you know, li literally Star Wars at that point, and so... Uh, to see what they were able to accomplish in that movie was really cool. So Enemy Mine was definitely like a, an inspiration and the starting point of Void Rivals. Uh, possibly uh, a more obvious inspiration than I thought it was because uh, people do bring up uh, Enemy Mine quite a bit. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I thought I was like putting a new shade on it, but maybe not. I don't know. I should have tried harder. I don't know. But, uh, uh, but it was definitely an inspiration. Um, and, and, but as a starting point, I think right. that as you see the story progress issue after issue, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's going to be vastly different than anything that was you know, set up or established in that movie. Uh, I have a question for Sean, actually. Um, so when it came to, actually for Robert and Sean. I won't um, answer. When it came to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the property came up and, and you were mentioning in the panel that you had to kind of turn it around really quickly. Sure. I guess ultimately, what He's always you, complaining about work. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it was about, about 
about Skybound's pitch that ultimately had Hasbro sign. I mean, like that—that's a big swing. It was my art. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, yeah, I'm just curious, like, what, what did that what did that look like, and ultimately, like, why did you think some of this go? got publicized because Dan's art reps actually sold some of the pitch art that he used. But we—it was Robert's idea yeah. to solicit original art from the best creators we worked with to illustrate the story beats. Mm -hmm. So it's like Lorenzo actually did the proto Void Rivals piece. Yeah. And then Lorenzo the better artist than Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh I'm a, I'm, you know shots fired, right? Uh, I'm just but, repeating what, what he said. I mean he, uh, Lorenzo also did an amazing Transformers piece. He did a Transformers piece. Sure you know we got David Finch to do an undisclosed piece. Oh, 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 we got we Kari Randolph to do an undisclosed piece and Daniel did a piece. And that was just for the Energon Universe stuff. Like we also pitched other product lines that hopefully we'll do in the future. But I think it was be matching the, the story with the visuals really helped yeah. communicate that. There's also like this is all here are the financial projections, and this is how we think we, we could we could sell because that's obviously important if they're going to move on from a longtime partner. Um, we want to make sure that creatively and financially it was rewarded. Well, it was an it was an extremely extremely robust presentation that involved a, a lot of you know, like hard work from the team at Skybound, but. Uh, we yeah, really just we really just wanted to kind of hit Hasbro like over the head and be like this yeah. is this is what you're gonna get from us this is the kind of effort also they knew the timetable we were working in and so I was like I'm going to call in every favor I possibly can to get as many like original pieces and 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 there are drawings in that pitch of things that may happen in the Energon universe like years down the road uh, just to show from Sean. Like, yeah. Here's what we're thinking for this character. And I recognize the pitch image from like however many years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy how far out. Like, yeah, I mean, we like, wanted to say, like, hey, we got plans. These are the story beats we're going to well, hit. Yeah, you don't want to run out of narrative uh, yeah. fuel like 18 months in, right? They want, they want to know it's a long stand. But even then, if I looked at it now, there's like books that we pitched that like, we're like, oh, we're not even going to use that character for a while. So yeah. it's like, and yeah. even originally Boyd Rabbles was a one shot, like an oversized one shot. And mm -hmm. then I think Robert got oh, into yeah. the world and was like, I want to be a miniseries. Like, no, it's an ongoing. Like, it just like, <laughs> so I kind of screwed up deadlines a little bit, but you know, that's, uh, that's how the story goes. Yeah, you know, um, I can make time. Yeah. You, you all spoke about your love for Transformers and G.I. Joe. Daniel's been sneaking him out to his prime and do his work years yeah. but I'm curious, to, I'm curious to hear about what experience it might have been for you growing up specifically that influenced your love for these characters and then how that love might show its face in the upcoming series mm. You want to handle this oh, man, Josh? I'm just looking at this art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk for a little bit. Give us something, bro. so good. I mean, you know, I don't know. I just really loved uh, the original cartoon series with J.I. Joe, and I was really into those toys. And I was really about just tapping into those things that I loved as a kid, right? Like, that's one of the things I think about a lot when I'm working on this. And I always come back around to, like, what did I like when I was a kid? And really, and really tapping into those feelings I had back then. You know, I mean, I, I was right in that, that window, right, as a kid, where it was like all that stuff was coming at the same time. You know, it was like a blessing, right? We had Transformers, G.I. Joe, you know, and like mm. He-Man, all that stuff right in that window. It was so awesome to be a kid in that time. Um, you know, but also I come from like a military family, you know, so a lot of stuff, a lot of the iconography was like already in my house, right? You know, it was like my grandpa fought in World War II, my, my dad was in the military, you know, we had a lot of, it was in the house, you know, so it's like you have that 
plus this and then it's something where it's like when you are around that kind of family and then see this like version of it on tv as a kid it just kind of really struck with me and it's something that when we started uh, talking about this again like you know when he reached out to me he's remember this we were just saying this but like a long time ago he asked me he's like what license books did you ever want to work on and i said gi joe you know it was because something that was always kind of in my head um and so yeah it was something that we started talking about it and it's been really fun working on it, and actually kind of revisiting those feelings and thinking about myself in that window of like why did i love it like you know like going back and thinking about why did i love these things while i'm working on it it's been it's been really fun i, I think the the tonal thing that, that robert had nailed earlier was like this is the memory like we're recreating these memories so you know sometimes you can yeah. go back and watch this stuff and it's like oh that's not what i thought it was i'm not talking about that's not hasbro specifically but so we're reconstructing and hopefully elevating it like we're actually making what you think you experienced as a child but now as an adult you're like oh there's deeper emotions deeper storytelling and mythology that lines mm -hmm. up just what robert did with Walking Dead was sort of like his memories of watching the Romero movies and transplanting mm. it to contemporary mm -hmm. storytelling. So, you should get Robert to give you back pay because really you were working on GI Joe. Oh yeah, kid. for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. There's no contract for that. <laughs> it was a minor. Things that you said during the panel is you know you look back at those properties and it really was all about the heart and you called out yeah. Aaron Palma and the incredible work that he did and then you know Dan is talking about. You know, Autobots not leaving tread on Earth, and you're exploring something deeper than I think that we've seen in the, from these properties, these licenses in the movies and other comic book publishers. And that's what's so exciting to me. Can you drill down a little bit into exploring the heart of these properties? Well, I think. Um, well, I'll just say, like, um, you know, I was I was eight years old when Transformers the movie came out. And so to go into a movie theater, uh, you know, loving a cartoon series, knowing all these characters, and you know, seeing the the tragedy of watching these characters demise on screen in a theater, um, you know, it was a, a amazing like experience as an eight year old. And so you know, you just have to recognize the the depth of these characters. I I, I see dying. Yeah, I feel terrible just to keep yeah. talking. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be real awkward for him later on when he listens. How many kids was that their first experience with? Like, oh shit, this is death. Yeah, like as a generation of kids that was in that theater, I remember that being there, and you're just, it blew my mind. I mean, that is the first time I think I ever experienced something like that. First time I cried in a movie theater, for sure. Oh, my dad, wow. My dad real? still makes fun of me for it. <laughs> wow. But that's that's special, though. That's special. Yeah. You were, yeah, you were too is. old for uh, Sesame Street Followed That Bird, which was the most emotionally <laughs> heart-wrenching movie. Kids were bawling after that movie. It was the loveliest. Oh yeah, that movie's messed up. I think, I think for me, uh, you know, obviously childhood again. I mean, it cannot be escaped when talking about these characters and these properties. Um, but, you know, there's just something special about seeing the cartoon for me uh, in the early 90s. I was watching the reruns. I was born too late to see them on TV when they're actually coming Stop out. Stop bragging. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all these other guys are too old. But me, I'm the young one here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, watching the reruns and, like, being, uh, I don't know whether, I, I'm trying to put my finger on what it was that, like, got me so into that, into the Transformers looking at this TV screen, because, I mean, the, I've tried to rewatch the show, I mean, it's fine, but it's, like, not amazing, you know? So, uh, like, wrong! Hold on, you know? It's Incorrect! For, for uh, I guess, uh, kind of as an adult and a storyteller looking back, 
I, I'm like, I was like struggling to pull out the meaning from these TV shows, you know, as mm. an adult. But I remember the feeling I had when I was a kid, and I was like, this was life changing. And uh, I don't know, there's something special there, something magical. And so it's almost kind of a exploration. I mean, this is artsy fartsy, but it feels a little bit like an exploration of self to work on the book. Mm. And uh, I wish I could answer your question yeah. better, but I'm honestly, I'm, I'm in the middle of the journey. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's something like it's like tough. Well, well, I was going to say, one of the things that's been difficult with this, and I was talking about we were leaving, it's like, because of so much that happens in Duke and Cobra, Commander spins out of Transformers. I actually can't talk about a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Correct. Right? I can't talk about a lot of stuff without spoiling things in Transformers, but I promise you, like, I, I really went into a lot of, like, the heads of both of those characters and started really thinking about... You know, and I get I put a lot of thought into it. I'll just put it like that. I really went into the psychology of those characters and, and start building out from from there. But I can't say too much without ruining all this stuff. But uh, just give uh, it a couple months. I yeah, like a few months. The idea yeah. of starting at the beginning of GI Joe and with Duke having a crisis of mm -hmm. faith because mm -hmm. it's at the beginnings of things where we have to like find our principles and like mm -hmm. what we are trying to create. And I mm -hmm. think like especially updating the GI Joes for the current climate, you know, mm -hmm. what, like, what principles are essential to make a G.I. Joe a G.I. Joe, and where do you feel like there's a little bit room for a little bit more uh, growth or exploration? And then also with the Autobots coming to Earth. She's coming at me with the real question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She mess around. Like, oh, I know, no, listen, I've talked to them before. They've got me a couple of times, and I'm like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. 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 With the Autobots coming to Earth, they already have their own set of principles yes. where they have to fold That's true. in this whole other thing. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was like, listen, bro, you, you go for it. I love him. I love him. It is hard to talk about this because, you know, Duke really is going through a crisis of, of faith and he's, he's uh, all right, so uh, Cobra Commander Careful. and Duke, <laughs> Cobra Commander and Duke, they both believe in certain things. And those things get extremely tested throughout this. And it is a journey about both of them going through that test. That's the most I can say. Well, I, oh, there you go. Uh, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to say something real quick. So, like, it's the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to ask y'all, with the cross between Transformers and G.I. Joe, what rap group would Transformers be? What rap group would G.I. Joe be if they battled each other and who would win? Oh my god, I gotta think well, about it. I, I, think, like, I think Macworth is gonna give the best answer. To this. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's say um, the Transformers, specifically the Autobots, are Boogie Down Productions. Oh, what? I told G.I. Joe is the Juice Crew. Oh my right? god! I'm not gonna break down who's who, I gotta think more about that. Right but there. we're gonna go back to, like, you know, very early, you know? Wow. Yeah. Well, if you say Boogie Down Productions, that's supposed to be Transformers. My, my opinion, I think Boogie Down to get that. Like, Chaos yeah. One. I mean, like, I mean, come on, man. I love, I mean, my, my wife's from Queens. I live in Queens for a while, but BDP. BD I mean, Chaos One and, and Optimus Prime, he's got a little bit more of an attitude, but he's, he's a teacher, you know? Like, <laughs> he's a teacher. He's a teacher. Oh, yeah. my God. Yo, that was an epic answer, Thank bro. You. Thank you. That's just hey, what my you head should draw that and make it in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Starting, you know, from the beginning with GI Joe and starting with the two central characters. One of the things that really makes GI Joe work, though, 
is the interaction between the characters. So how much was the, uh, of the challenge is it that you don't get to have a larger cast early on? Uh, it wasn't really that much of a challenge. I mean, dude, it's a big cast no matter what. I mean, both groups are huge. <laughs> right. Like, both groups are huge, dude. I mean, and, and I don't know, I can't spoil it too much. Both well, groups I'm are sorry, huge, Josh, dude. it's so tough. I, I, I know what you're, yeah, I know what you're dealing with. It's both, rough. Both groups are, are, are huge rough. groups, and like I said, I think with, I, I mean, I, with, 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 I'll say this about Cobra Commander and about Cobra, like, you always love watching those characters interact with each other. And right. I said this in the exactly. panel with that group over there, it's like, you know, we're going to show how that group came together. So, you know, that's, well, we'll get there. We'll it's, get it's, there. It's, but it's the crazy books. because Void Rivals leads to Transformers, Transformers leads to G.I. Joe, and if not until Duke number one and Cobra Commander number one are actually like in stores and read by people that you can talk about yeah, no, I can really, so much because mm, the starting really points it, are yeah. are really a big deal. Like what's going on in the Duke story, yeah. where the Cobra Commander starts, where, where like the, the opening scenes of Cobra Commander I think are really going to blow people away. The angle that we're choosing, the way we're doing these things, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be uh, very unique and, and uh, uh, it's just it's just difficult that we literally cannot yeah. say more than that. But you're going to see how they're more interconnected that as we go like they're very they're very connected we can't say that blowtorch is the focus of Duke number two. <laughs> <laughs> but you, can, you can't say that the meat of the story is still in the interaction between those characters but we'll get there i mean that's one thing i said on the panel right like one of the most difficult things for me to this whole process has been patience you know and that's mm. what we have to kind of ask with this you're gonna have to be patient but we'll, we'll get there but it is about showing these things and then we will get to those moments and then you might be surprised like okay actually you might be surprised when interactions happen. It might, it might surprise you. You will. Be. That's right. That's what I can say. Okay. It might surprise you when some okay. of these interactions take place. I'm so excited. Right? So, yeah. uh, the most difficult thing I've had to do is uh, learn how to draw the freaking Autobot logo right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's the commitment to not just, like, using a, a, the, the Hasbro asset and just dropping that in. He's like, that's not going to feel right. It's like whenever you see a street sign get letter by letter, it's usually just, like, at that right angle. It doesn't look, like, textured or, or uh, all that, so he's, yeah. Where are you from? I'm getting there. I was, I was in Chicago, and I visited him, and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this right. He's like, Shit. <laughs> 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 he's like, like, like silence again. He's like, I don't get the focus, man. I don't get the focus tonight. I'm sorry. And it still look good. It's better than like anything I've ever seen. <laughs> the trick so. is drawing the logos in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. You're earning that Eisner, Daniel. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Anybody got any other questions, real quick, that we can slip in? We talked about hip hop side of things. What music is playing in your head, Daniel? Now we're doing art. It's like so like obvious, but like that '86 like soundtrack, it's incredible. Like from, from the original cartoon movie, um, like Stan Bush obviously, and then also like Vince DiCola has like probably like it's on my top soundtracks of all time. Like wow. his electronic music is it's special and it really holds up. And I think I might need to make a heavy metal cover of one of them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that would be that is a Probably not your style, but there was a limited vinyl release of the original score from the 80s cartoon. Oh, it's not in the movie. Oh, did you get it? <laughs> uh, I, just, I listen to that thing all the time. So it's the greatest. Oh, that's Guys, you actually have to pull Daniel because you have to go down to the booth for signing. Uh, thank y'all. Yo, Daniel, I told y'all bless you. Always, thank you, man. Okay, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah.
And as promised, that was a wide spectrum of topics within the core concept of the Energon universe. Lisa and I had just so much fun reporting alongside the Hip Hop Gamer and Jace from the Comic Source, as well as our buddies Lance from the Comic Book Keepers and Jeremy from Geekly Grind. Just a really unique and special experience. Yeah, and the kind of experience we don't get just sitting in our dining room doing this at home. I love the Zoom interview, but what we had here was a collaboration. Mm -hmm. This really was like a game of improv where you had to yes and each other. <laughs> I love it when you take something I said off mic and then say it into the mic. It makes you sound so smart. Lisa, 50% of your comics are my comics. 50% oh, of my comics are your comics. 50% of anything you ever say <laughs> belongs to me. All of your thoughts are actually my thoughts. <laughs> yes. As much as I am loving Void Rivals, and I truly am, I am so excited to get to the Daniel Warren Johnson Transformers comics because I am self-absorbed, <laughs> and I want big, huge, powerful alien robots thinking about me and thinking about how delicate and precious I am as a human being. We need stories to get outside of ourselves, outside of humanity, so that, you know, like... In dark times, we need to learn to love ourselves again and realize that there, as far as we know, there's no one like us, and Earthlings be, in the universe. Being able to experience humanity through the eyes of Optimus Prime is just a gift and not something we have not seen before in other Transformers stories, but we definitely have not seen it before through also the prism of Daniel Warren Johnson's perspective. Now, we have actually gotten to see and read Transformers number one. But we cannot talk about it. We can't tell you our feelings about it. It is embargoed until October. Yeah, so, but we, but mm, don't temper your expectations. Yeah, we can say that we remain excited. Yes, the momentum has not slowed. <laughs> and we can talk about three pages from Transformers number one that they previewed in Void Rivals number three. Yeah. And in those three pages, we see that one of the humans that's involved in this story is indeed Spike. And that's not really a surprise. Spike is crucial to the canon of Transformers. But I have to say that when I saw those initial images from the ash can of the human characters, I was not necessarily excited. You know, I like the Michael Bay movies to varying degrees, but I thought that those movies really should have been Transformers movies. Like I wanted the Transformers to be the main characters. So when I saw like there were going to be humans in the Skybound story, I was like, ah, I just I just really want Optimus Prime to be the dude. I want the Autobots to be the dudes. I don't need Spike. Now, in the Energon Universe panel, Daniel Warren Johnson talked about why he had to have the humans in his story. And he jokingly talked about how, you know, there was only so many ways that he could furrow Optimus Prime's brow to elicit emotion. So he needed human faces to really dig into the emotion. And now on the other side of this conversation at this round table, and maybe because we have read Transformers number one, or maybe not. Not definitely. I have zero reservations about Spike being involved. If you had told me in 1986 that I would be excited about a Transformers <laughs> and G.I. Joe shared universe comic coming out, 
I would have eaten my tiny hat or whatever the <laughs> phrase is. Yeah, you would not have imagined it because these are things that just did not interest you uh, eight months ago. Yeah, no, I, I'd never seen the 1986 movie. I don't know who Spike is. Like, I think that we had the Transformer that was also a cassette player. Like Blaster or maybe Soundwave. Autobot or Decepticon? To me, it was mostly a cassette player. Uh, second favorite after Teddy Ruxpin. Um, but Love the, Teddy team, Ruxpin. <laughs> the team that they brought together has me legit excited. And the conversation that they've started with that panel also has me really intrigued. And I think that they're going to be able to get comic book readers who would not otherwise be interested in this universe to read these comics. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be huge for Skybound. Uh, you know, I already am fully invested in Void Rivals. I'm really curious about where those characters are going. It did cause me to introduce Lisa to Enemy Mine. We watched it last night. I loved it. And if we're talking comic book events, I think this is the event of the fall. Like, I'm a sucker for Night Terrors. I can't wait for Fall of X, although I'm a little nervous about Fall of X. But if you ask me what is the event that I'm most excited to read, it's Transformers number one, followed by Cobra Commander and Duke, or Duke and Cobra Commander. To me, all of these stories sound so separate, you know? Like, it's mm. like three very different directions they're all going in what has me curious is how are they going to bring these stories together mm -hmm. in a really meaningful and eventful way in my imagination they're kind of going along the same path that the early mcu did with mm. phase one building to avengers so i imagine that you know void rivals is its own story doing its own thing it's like it's the iron man transformers is captain america and gi joe and cobra commander are thor and the incredible hulk and at some point we're going to get a big event book we're going to get the transformers versus gi joe or the unicron event but I feel like Void Rivals is more like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, how sure. in the world are we going to get these spacemen to Earth? And it's going to be weird when they show up, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And guess what? Hasbro, Hasbro, I want some Void Rivals action figures. That question was asked by a fan at the panel, and Robert Kirkman was like, boy, that sure would be swell, but uh, no plans yet. I'm just curious when My Little Pony is going to get involved <laughs> because I want to see G.I. Joe's riding them. And that glorious image is going to bring us to the end of this <laughs> episode. Before we get out of here, we got to talk about what we got coming up in the future. This is episode 199. Episode 200 will kick off our fall season. It is going to be a counseling session for Leon and Cody from the Dark Horse Comics original graphic novel, Light Carries On. If you're curious about that book, I did write a review of it on Women Write About Comics. It will hype you for episode 200, link in the show notes. And it'll also make you want to drink a Slurpee. After that, we will have several creator conversations in September, one with Christian Ward talking about Batman City of Madness, one with Dave Chisholm talking about Miles Davis and the search for the sound, one with David Dasmalchin talking about Count Crowley, and one with Patrick Hovarth talking about Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees. So many great books coming out 
All of those are delectable. Yeah, I think all of those will be in competition for our mm -hmm. end of the year best of comics. Our tomorrow and your yesterday, we just did a screening, another screening at the Alamo Draft House Winchester. This one is of The Mask with Trad Moore in attendance, which was super fun, I assume. So you're gonna wanna make it to our next screening, which will be the entire Dark Knight trilogy on September 17th, starting at noon. You have to buy the tickets separately, but they're $7. And of course, these screenings are co-sponsored by Four Color Fantasies, the best comic book store in Winchester and maybe the universe, arguably. Yeah, we started this comic book film club series earlier this year. We kicked things off with Howard the Duck and had Chip Zdarsky doing a virtual intro. We've now screened eight movies. We're planning our October selection, which may or may not, depending on Paramount, tie in with today's episode. Huh? Hint, hint, wink, wink, fingers crossed. And we do trivia at each screening. We give away comics at each screening. We sell comics thanks to Four Color Fantasies at each screening. And it's developed into a really inspiring in-person community. Yeah, yeah, I love the idea of people going to see a comic book movie and then reading the comic book book. When we showed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, it was sold out and it was a bunch of kids. Who did not know that we were going to be hosting. Exactly. And afterwards, Lisa was in the lobby directing the traffic right on over to the Four Color Fantasies table. And we just sold a ton of Ninja Turtles comics to all these kids. It really shows that there is a hunger after a screening to continue the adventures of what you saw on the screen. And if movie studios could truly partner with their comic book brands, we could truly sustain and increase the comic book audience. Especially during a time when these kids are going to school and their teachers are telling them that comic books are not books. As diehard readers and lovers of this medium, it is on us, you listening and me talking, to promote the medium and to share the medium with as many people as possible, whether that's younger people or your neighbors or your strangers on the street. We are really lucky to be able to create this community celebratory event with the Alamo Draft House Winchester and with Four Color Fantasies. But there are things that you can do too, like there are those little neighborhood lending libraries. Just stick a couple of volumes of bone in there and you're gonna make some person's day. And some person's life. I know you have students who discovered Jeff Smith's bone in the school library and they became comic book maniacs as a result. That is true. And I'm afraid that they're gonna find this podcast. <laughs> that's your problem in the future. That's not your problem now. Just mentioning Jeff Smith there and Bone, I think we just need to take a moment and reflect on this cartoonist who has meant so much to everybody, including us. Jeff Smith, you may or may not have heard, recently suffered a cardiac arrest and is in the process of recovering from it. He had to cancel his Dawn of Man book tour for the rest of the year. And Lisa and I were just sending out all our thoughts, all our love, all our prayers to him. And of course, Vijaya, his wife, and you know Kathleen, and all the people that put cartoon books together. I think we should also mention that because he's not doing these signings and these events, he's missing out on a huge opportunity to promote Tukey. So if you have not gotten Tukey yet, this is your action plan. You need to go out and buy that book 
We love it. It's brilliant. It's amazing. It's a side of Jeff Smith you haven't seen yet. And um, yeah, and if you already have it, then you should buy it for someone else, someone that you love. And I'll include links in the show notes to the Boneville website where you can find all that rad stuff. I'll also include a link to our conversation with Jeff Smith talking about Tukey because we really do feel like it is a book that diehard Bone fans, and there's so many diehard Bone fans, but they have not gotten to Tukey yet, and I think they will really, really love it. Uh, so please read that book. Also, though, not only is he not having an opportunity to promote Tukey, but Bone More Tall Tales yes. just came out last Wednesday at comic book shops. That's more Bone stories. There are more Bone stories. And we've been posting about these on our socials. And it's shocking to me how people did not know this was a thing. Everyone thought that Bone was done. And Bone is not done. And this collection has a ton of cool people in it. Katie Cook, Stan Sakai, Matt Smith. This is a... A-plus anthology series for Boneheads. And in October, Jeff is launching a Kickstarter called Thorn, where it's a whole bunch of other bone stories that he wrote in college and even earlier. Yeah, So you're going to want to get in on that. I've wanted to read these strips for a long time, so we're going to be right there day one First in digital line. Yeah. Okay, Brad, it is time to end this episode. And if you have anything else to say to me, you can talk to the Handroid. <laughs> I wrote that joke so many hours ago, and it Stupid. just doesn't feel... I mean, I'd, I, I'm too tired to come up with anything else. Where can our listeners send the words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show posters, send them to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to, like, I even covered the joke with, like, I didn't want Brad to see it in the copy, so I, like, covered it up. And then when I uncovered it today, I was so disappointed in myself. I like it. I like it. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher. For, like, a week. Yeah. YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. And if you're new to Comic Book Couples Counseling and you have not checked out our Patreon, that's totally cool. But let's say you're a Daniel Warren Johnson maniac like us. You're going to want to hear our Married to Singles Patreon episode where Daniel Warren Johnson talks about the nom number nine from Marvel Comics. It's one of his favorite single issues. We talk for over an hour about that issue. Dan breaks it all down do not miss it. It's a great conversation. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, I refuse to call it that other thing, Threads, Blue Sky, Hive, Facebook, at CBCC Podcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts, and if you'd like to do an active service... Why not write a review of the show while you're there? Yes, please. We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. This is the problem with like recording like first thing in the morning. Yeah. I haven't talked all of my phlegm out. I'm going to keep that as an edit.